Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Ryan Huang joins me this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Happy Tuesday, Michelle. How's the week looking? Looking pretty good. Of course, a busy week for us. We've got lots coming up. And tomorrow, we'll be in the heart of Raffles Place, UOB Plaza. Wonderful. Uh, the team have been working really hard on this. So we do hope you'll join us. We'll have all your pressing questions answered. Hopefully, you can ask some yourself at the event from 1pm, UOB Plaza, as we debate the budget. We chat about the budget, I should say. I'll be doing the debating with myself, as always. <laughs> should I ask this question? Should I ask a different question? Uh, that happens from 1pm tomorrow. And uh, we've got a great panel. A great panel, of course. Miss Indrani Raja, Minister in the Prime Minister's Office and Second Minister for National Development and Finance. All right, let's start this morning with a company that operates gas pipelines, owns thermal power plants, and is a real leader in Asian renewable energy. I am talking about Semcorp Industries because just about an hour ago, Semcorp announced that it netted nearly $850 million last year. That's 11% higher than a year earlier. If you factor out exceptional items, the numbers are significantly better, up 38% to one billion dollars. So what is fueling Semcorp Industries' growth, Ryan? All right, let's take a look at the numbers. And they do look pretty good. 11% rise in net profit thanks to higher contributions from its gas and related services segment and renewable segment. So net profit at 942 million Singapore dollars up from 2022's 848 million. So a pretty encouraging sign. And as we've seen with Semcorp, they've been doing pretty okay in the past few quarters. And earnings per share at 23.12 cents for the half year, up from 20.09 Singapore cents for from the previous year. So a couple of things that is not so good news is revenue is down. And that is down 14% thanks to lower gas prices as well as lower power prices from the gas and related services segment. So this is offset by higher turnover from the renewables and other business businesses. Semcorp is proposing to pay an annual dividend of $0.08 cents per share. That brings the full-year dividend to $0.13. Cents. When you look at Semcorp's latest numbers, really what stands out, Ryan? Yeah, it is green in the sense. It's making money from the green business as we've seen how a lot of talk is about a lot more businesses going green. In fact, if you look at the budget 2024, there was a $5 billion future energy fund and tax credit to support green transition activities. So that's going to be benefiting a lot of folks who want to go towards that direction and the folks who are involved in helping these people. So local energy players like Singapore Industries are likely to benefit from this from this um, wider trend. Semcorp Industries share price is up more than 50% over the past year. Next up, look overhead. The biannual Singapore Air Show is back in town. The trade show starts today and the public air show takes place this weekend. Boeing is making headlines at the trade show this year. This is the first major international aerospace event since the Alaska Airlines accident that happened last month. You'll recall that Boeing a Boeing plane lost part of its fuselage and had to make an emergency landing. Certainly not the sort of press that Boeing likes. So how is Boeing making headlines now? I suppose they are trying to avoid a spotlight right now when it comes to commercial 
planes. And of course, they've been in the news for all the wrong reasons when it comes to commercial planes with their 737 MAX lineup. Mm -hmm. So no... 737 MAX jets at the air show. Uh, they are in the business of other things like defense capabilities. So you've got your fighter jets. You've got stuff like the B-52 Stratofortress. That's going to be part of the US Air Force aerial display. So commercial-wise, I suppose a bit of a soft spot for them this year. So this comes as they reported a decline in aircraft orders and deliveries in January following all the bad press. Indeed. So, Boeing does have a presence at the Singapore Air Show. It's showcasing its fighter jets, but it is not bringing any commercial aircraft. It cedes space to Airbus and China. When it comes to airplane manufacturers, Airbus and Boeing dominate the space, but China is looking for a larger share of this market. What type of plane is China showcasing at the air show? Yeah, for a long time, if you wanted a plane, most airlines would have turned to Airbus, which would be made in Europe, or Boeing, made in the US. Now they might have another option on the table and that comes through from China. So this is the Comac C919. That is going to be making its debut at Air Show, And it is going to be interesting to watch. It's been certified by the Chinese regulators since September 2022. So made in China could be a thing for the aviation industry when it comes to planes. Imagine that. We'll have more aerospace news this afternoon when Singapore Airlines reports its quarterly earnings for the three months ending December. On the topic of travel, there is some potentially good news for Singaporeans headed into Malaysia. Not so good news for Malaysians visiting here. What is it, right? Yeah, it comes down to the ringgit. So, <laughs> not great. And we've got to look at the numbers here. So, let's start with the Malaysian ringgit versus the US dollar. So, it is very close to hitting its record low, which clocked back in 1998. So, how close? Well, 1% away so far. So right now, if you look at what is the ringgit versus the US dollar cross, it is at around 4.885. So if you cast your mind back to 1998, that was when the Asian financial crisis pretty much ravaged the regional currencies, especially the Malaysian ringgit. So it's very close to that mark again. So far this year, the ringgit is down 4% against the US dollar versus the US dollar for the past year is down nearly 7%. But mm -hmm. already against the Singapore dollar, it has hit a new low and that came through yesterday. So it was at 3.56 against the Singapore dollar. And if you read the news in the Straits Times, you will come across stories about how money changers in many places ran out of ringgit in the afternoon. Wow. All right. The Singapore dollar currently trading around 3.5 ringgit and the US dollar 4.79 to the ringgit. Let's take a look at several locally listed companies that are making headlines this morning. And let us start with Elite Commercial REIT, which focuses on properties in the UK and the British government. More specifically, the Department for Work and Pensions is its biggest tenant. Elite Commercial's net property income is up more than 20%, but its distribution to unit holders is down by almost the same amount. What's going on here? So why would Elite Commercial investors receive a lower payout when the REIT is actually reporting higher income? Yeah, Elite Commercial REIT has a very good niche in supporting the government sector in the UK. So a huge part of its portfolio has that stronghold. Um, but... Not so great news when it comes to the DPU because of the 
slightly enlarged base of units. So this was some time back in December 2023 when it launched a non-renounceable preferential offering at 27 pence per unit to raise about 28 million pounds. Mm -hmm. So that was partly the reason why we are seeing a drop in DPU. If you look at other factors or other metrics, revenue actually went up 0.9%, mainly because rent went up. So that was helpful for revenue. But net property income um, on that side as well was up 21.1%. So this was due to a stronger showing in its various assets. But like you pointed out, DPU mm. is down because you have to split it, split it up into more pieces. That's basically it. So this is a good example for investors. Elite Commercial Rate raised money by issuing new units. So when it's came time to distribute the units from the REIT's earnings, it had to be split up into more pieces. Next up, let's look at Gallant Venture and GHY Culture and Media. Gallant Venture is a developer and utility provider in Batam and Bintan. GHY Culture is a concert organizer. What do they have in common? They are losing money. <laughs> so not great news. Uh, they are on the same page in a sense. So let's take a look at Gallant. So they are warning of lower profit contributions from their various units because of higher finance costs and lower profits. So that's for Gallant Venture. Let's take a look at GHY, which is in the business of concerts. And mm. they are also warning of a bad quarter, a net loss for the financial year ended December 31st. And that net loss due to foreign exchange losses due to a stronger Singapore dollar against the Chinese currency. So this is offsetting whatever they can make. So that is um, showing that it is exposed quite a lot to its Chinese business. So it's pointing out its significant Chinese operations are denominated in Singapore dollars. So something that will pose some headwinds in their next quarterly report. So Gallon Ventures has been hit by high interest rates and GHY culture by the weak Chinese yen, which depresses its profits in Singapore dollar terms. One more local company this morning, the Olam Group. Listeners may recall last year Olam was accused by a Nigerian newspaper of being caught up in a multi-billion dollar corruption scandal. So what's the latest on this front? Yeah, that scandal involved what is being described as round-tripping the foreign exchange they were holding funneling it into the Central Bank of Nigeria through special purpose vehicles to the tune of $34 billion. So in Nigeria, there are special capital restrictions. So apparently the company was accused of going around these restrictions using loopholes. So that's the accusation which they are saying after their investigations have concluded, they turned up no evidence of any involvement in a multi-billion dollar fraud, which was accused or reported by local newspapers. So they say nothing's going wrong. Investors cheered the news that Olam appears to have been cleared of wrongdoing and no charges are being brought against it in Nigeria. Olam shares jumped more than 13% yesterday. Let's turn now to China, where stock markets reopened yesterday following a one-week holiday for the Lunar New Year. Before the open, new data came out showing that domestic travel and spending in China during the New Year period has rebounded to pre-COVID levels. So that's bullish news. But how did 
China's stock markets react, Ryan? How do they perform on the first trading day of the Year of the Dragon? Yeah, it started a bit nervous. It went down first, but eventually it went up. So a bit of catch-up buying happening in China after a week-long holiday. So that saw, I suppose, some optimism coming through off the back of encouraging data that came through with the tourism spending surging 47.3% for the holiday period versus the last year. So we've got domestic tourism showing some encouraging signs. People are going out and about and spending. Also increasing in holiday activity and spending suggests that China's households are starting to feel more confident, which could maybe spill over into the rest of the year. So maybe markets are trying to price that in. So the Shanghai Composite was up 1.6%. The CSI 300 was up 1.4%. So a good start to Monday, but we'll have to see how much that can continue for the rest of the week. Some analysts were disappointed with China market's performance yesterday, noting that they seem to be playing catch-up with other markets after being closed for a week. But the major Chinese indices did all close in positive territory. Uh, the CSI 300 up by a bit more than 1%. Shanghai Shenzhen, as you say, in the green as well, closing up 1.5% or more. In other China news, China state-owned lenders are earmarking more than 60 billion yuan or about $11 billion for loans to the country's beleaguered housing market. Time now for corporate news and we do it up or down style. Let's look at Apple. Apple is a down because it's facing a big-time fine. 500 million euros. Gosh, it's a big-time fine because it's in very familiar territory because it's being accused of posing or setting up obstacles for its competitors in the form of Spotify. The music streaming market is where the dispute is right now. Apparently, based on the report, the European Commission is handing down that punishment after a long-running investigation. And this centered on how Apple apparently um, put in restrictions mm-hmm. so that anyone who was streaming music and offered music streaming services could not tell Apple users of cheaper alternatives outside the Apple App Store. So those restrictions were deemed to be unfair and as you can imagine this is not going to sit down well in Europe and they are saying, hey, it's not fair. You've got to pay a fine. So it's been going on for some four years, the investigations. Oh my goodness. If this fine goes through, this whopper of a 500 million euro dollar fine the EU is wielding against uh, Apple for basically hindering competition in the streaming music market, if this goes through, definitely a down for Apple. Let's look at Discover Financial Services. All right. This is, I suppose, a happier story. Two companies joining hands. So Capital One Financial, a US lender, is set to acquire Discover Financial Services. It's an all-stock deal worth $35.3 billion. So this is going to mean a merger of two companies which are already among the largest credit card issuers in the US. So Capital One has the Visa and MasterCard network. And they say after merger or after merging, they will still keep the Discover network, which is much smaller than the other two. So we will have to figure out how they are going to create any synergies if they are going to keep the Discover brand. Well, the two companies are among the largest credit card issuers in the U.S. So it looks like this acquisition, Capital One Finance, acquiring Discover Financial Services to the tune of $35 billion U.S. billion, would be an up for Discover.
Let's look at China's BYD. That's all I seem to be talking about in uh, cocktail parties these days. <laughs> Which cocktail parties do you go to? Oh, gosh. Plenty of people telling me about um, cars, uh, bike manufacturers actually looking to use technology from BYD. Uh, well, BYD mm. has been making a lot of headway when it comes to EVs because they are doing a pretty good job. So much so, they are ramping up production of more luxury models this year. So it's going to be making a big splash when it comes to new cars. And it's also talking about new stock buyback plans. So for investors, that, that is good news because stock buybacks typically support share prices. So all in and up for BYD. BYD share prices have taken a hit recently though as stiff competition in China cuts into its margins. BYD's shares are down 13% since the start of the year, but the company is promising to buy back more shares. It's a move that could encourage investors and also give BYD shares a boost. So I will give BYD an up this morning. Next up, let's look at one of BYD's competitors, Xpeng. Yeah, in the EV space, in China especially, what's happening there is a discount war. So prices are going down and these folks are feeling the pressure and Xpeng is trying to step up his game by doing more in the AI space. So they are oh. hiring 4,000 people more to mm. invest in the AI. And the CEO says it's going to be quite a bloodbath. So this is quite an ominous warning of what's to come in the EV space, disrupting what is already already being disrupted, the, the car space. Disruptors are being disrupted. Uh, Xpen warning that the intense competition in the EV space could really lead to, um, I like that analogy, a bloodbath. Uh, but while the company is worried about price competition, it is also not afraid to be innovative and invest further in AI to the tune of nearly half a billion dollars in its budget for this. So I will give Xpeng an up. Our last word today belongs to OpenAI. It's unveiled a very cool, I have to say it looks potentially scary though, this AI tool called Sora, which can create high-quality videos from text prompts. It's all about prompting these, these days, right? Uh, the prompts are really detailed and so are the videos. Let me share an example of a prompt. Several giant woolly mammoths approach treading through a snowy meadow. Their long woolly fur lightly blows in the wind as they walk. Snow-covered trees and dramatic snow-capped mountains in the distance. Have you seen this video? Yeah, it is amazing. It's almost like a real thing, like someone filmed it at their doorstep or in the backyard and then this is actually happening somewhere but it's not real of course it's all AI generated yeah uh, Sora, not available for public use yet I know our social media team is really excited about this uh, <laughs> I can imagine the applications both good and bad and can imagine uh, no elections happening people will be deep fakes being a bit naughtier than usual oh deep fakes but also good users because when it comes to movie making you don't need all the equipment which also is a bad thing because you might put people out of job That's so there are so many pros and cons to this uh, quite exciting days ahead I suppose the thing that will be most valuable will be the ideas you know? what are you going to prompt the computer to do for you that's going to be a key skill down the road I find it really interesting that in this world of AI um, and, and things being created for you that so much still comes down to your ability to wield language if you think about these prompts I, the prompt that I just read you 
it's almost literary. You know, you almost have to be a fiction writer these days. So you have to unleash your imagination and you have to come back to having a good understanding mm. and wielding of language in order to translate what it is, the vision in your head to what you actually see through AI. Yeah, good grasp of the language plus yeah. a logical way of thinking about things because you're talking to a computer after all. You've got to prompt it the right way to get the right results. So that is a future. You've got to learn how to prompt. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's my next class. Uh, this technology, though, I think could put a lot of videographers and digital artists out of work. Possibly it could also be used by scam artists or pretty much anybody looking to sway elections. OpenAI, meanwhile, has just completed a deal that values the company at 80 billion US dollars. That's three times higher than the last valuation. And that, by the way, was just 10 months ago. So this makes OpenAI one of the world's most valuable tech startups just behind China's ByteDance and Elon Musk's SpaceX. What do you think of that? Wow, I can't wait to try it once it's available to folks like me. Sora, I uh, can't wait to see what else OpenAI has up its sleeve, really. Text-to-video AI model for now, but who knows what's next. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.